Welcome. Great to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our churches. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars. We love you guys. Grateful for you. This is so cool. You know, we had our, our first service in Garza East this last week. It's our third prison campus. They had 162 men show up and seven got saved on the spot. How awesome is that? Fired up. Love it. So I just want to say to all you guys, welcome to the family. So glad you guys are part of our church. Appreciate you guys being a part. We're starting a, a new series. We started a new series last week called Creating Your Future, because I really believe the future belongs to those who just create it. The best way for you to ensure that you have the life you want is to create it the way you want it. And so believe it or not, God gives you the gifts to do that. In fact, he teaches us about creation, not just so we know how the beginning of the world started, but also so we can be like him and also create the world that God intends for us to live in. So pull out your notes if you would. I want to talk today about that. Last week we started the series. If you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to download our app. You can listen to any of our sermons from the past on there, and so you can get that at the app store. Please do that. Get last week's message. But today I'm talking about growing a big life. We're simply going through verse by verse through Genesis 1 uh, for this series. And so very excited about this. And so let's talk about the next day here in creation. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters. Oh, I almost forgot. I'm so sorry. Let me stop. I didn't say our mission statement, did I? Can we say our mission statement together as a church? What are we here to do? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. Thank you, guys. I, you guys are going to get on me and remind me otherwise. So let's jump back in Scripture. Genesis 1, verse 6 says, Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the water of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And, what, and that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and evening passed, and morning came, marking the second day. So I don't know if you know this or not, but we think immediately about God separating the waters, creating land. That's not actually the first separation of water. The first separation of water actually was that, just imagine the, the earth is this round ball, right? And so in around the earth is water, another ball of water. But this water goes so high that imagine stepping outside, looking up into the sky and seeing way above you where the clouds are, it's all water all the way up to there. So just solid water. And so the first thing God had to do was make some space and separate this water out. In fact, I was, I was reading on this because I was so curious about this. I, I went to my commentary. The Bible Knowledge Commentary puts it this way. God separated the atmospheric water from the terrestrial waters by an arching expanse called the sky. This suggests that previously there had been a dense moisture enshrouding the earth. So we don't know if that moisture was almost like a foggy moisture that was dense with, with wetness in it, or if it was solid water, we're not sure exactly, but we know that water went from the earth all the way into the skies, into the heavens, basically, and God had separated out. Why did God separate it out? Well, it's really pretty simple. God needed to make space to grow something. So he realized we need to make some space. How can you grow trees if they're underwater, right? So he made some space to be able to grow. And so in the same way, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? Number one is that we need to create space to grow our dreams. This may sound kind of funny, but Many of us want to do great things with our lives, but we don't have any time to do it. It's probably because the average person spends about 10 and a half hours a week on Netflix. I think that's where a lot of our time goes. Or how about the four or five hours a day that we're on social media? I mean, in other words, we're using our time for things that aren't creating anything, unless, of course, that's your job. But most of it, that's not our job. 
And so it's just kind of a play thing that we do, but we're wasting a lot of our margin time that we have to be able to create our dreams. And so there's three areas that I want to challenge you to create some margin. God created some space, some atmospheric space to be able to build vegetation, trees, that kind of stuff around the world. Uh, So in the same way he created space before he created his creation, we have to make room for what we want to do in our lives. And so here's three areas you need margin. The first is time. You should build some time into your schedule just to plan, just to figure out what you want to do with your life. What do you want to have? What do you want to own? Where do you want to be in life? What would you like to see accomplished in your life? Okay. The second area that we need to create margin is emotion. Frankly, some of us are just so surrounded by drama all the time that we never have time to think about our dreams because we're too busy dealing with drama people. Now, what I want to encourage you to do is if you have drama people really close to you, get a little distance between you and the drama if you can. Now, hopefully you're not turning to your spouse right now saying, honey, pastor told me I got to get away from you. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not suggesting that. What I am suggesting, though, is that we need to be careful not to let people's drama suck us into their life to where our whole world becomes around their dysfunction. You cannot function in someone else's dysfunction. So I just want to challenge you to really ask the question, am I surrounded by drama? Maybe you keep going to the break room at work and there's just nothing but drama there. Why don't you just not do that anymore? If, instead, just, just take a break at your own desk, right? Instead of hanging out with people that are constantly fighting other people or gossipy or just naggy and negative, you know, be really careful because you may be surrendering the agenda of your life to whiners and not realize it. And so you want to be careful to give yourself some distance from people that are emotional drama. So you need time margin, you need emotional margin, you should be in a healthy place for you to be able to plan your life, and then also you need financial margin. Financial margin means the truth is, is that whatever you're dreaming of probably costs money, so you should start saving towards that now. You should have like a, like a dream savings plan that, that begins to set aside money. No matter what your dream is, maybe your dream doesn't involve a purchase of any sort, Maybe it just involves a certain lifestyle to where you can get away more. Maybe it involves financial freedom somehow. I don't know what it is for you, but I bet it involves finances at some level. And so whatever it is that you want to do, have the faith to start saving towards it now. If you're dreaming of that beach house or that ski lodge, sorry, you can hear my personal dreams coming out here. Um, I want to encourage you to start saving towards whatever it is that you want, right? And so you need to create some financial margin. That's critical. Look at what happens next. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And, what, and that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the water seas, and God saw that it was good. So now he creates land. Why would he create land? Well, he created land because, first of all, we're not fish, right? We don't want to swim our whole lives. Uh, but also, he created this because he wanted to have good soil. Now, good soil um, is not completely dry, but it's also not completely wet. It's moist, okay? You have to have good moisture in there. Now, I'm not a farmer, but I happen to know some professional farmers, and I mean like pro farmers. These guys like plant like hundreds of thousands of crops, you know? And these are like true experts, have degrees in it. They have like huge machinery, that kind of stuff. And they will tell you soil is a big deal. You've got to get the right soil if you're going to grow anything in your life. And so Hebrews 10.25 speaks of that, that great soil. It says, let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So God says, don't quit meeting together. What's he talking about? He's talking about the church, talking about you and I. He says, keep getting together. Why? To encourage one another, which also tells me that wherever you go to church should encourage you. 
wherever that is. And this church may not be your, your cup of tea. That's okay. You may come here and not like what we do. You may not like the worship. You know, every once in a while I see someone, you know, they're in church and they're plugging their ears because it's too loud to them. They got their arms crossed. They don't like it because we're not singing out of the hymnal, you know, and, you know, the preacher's not in the suit and, you know, he's got spiky hair and ADD. What's going on? And so, you know, it may not be your thing. That's okay. You know, I'm not for everyone. I get that. Okay. But if this is your thing, if you do get encouraged by this church, if this is filling up your cup, why don't you come more regularly? In other words, instead of saying, hey, man, it's such a great church, so I, I really enjoy it every six weeks. Why don't you enjoy it every week? Why don't you come regular? Just make it a regular stop every week. Because if you'll do that, God will fill you up. People say, I don't hear from God. I just wish God would talk to me. God may be saying, come by my house more often. I got a lot to tell you. And so God wants you in his house. So Psalms 92, verse 13. This one's not in your outline. If you want to write it down. Psalms 92, 13 says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. You will flourish in the right church. And if this is not your church, that's okay. Find a church that fits you. I highly recommend that. You may be more of a traditional person, like, like a traditional service with the hymns and, and, and more of a high church with a big organ and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the preacher in the suit and all that kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. I grew up in that kind of church. It changed my life. I have no problem with it at all. I'm very comfortable in those environments. It's great. And it, it changed my life. Um, we just are a church for the unchurched. We're, we're a church designed for people who don't go to church. I just have never met someone who didn't grow up in church that gets in the car, turns on the radio and says, I need some good organ music. Where's a good organ music station? I haven't heard that yet. So we, we do music that relates to the world, that, that talks about God, but sounds like something you'd listen to on the radio. Uh, you know, I don't dress in a suit because we don't want you to think this is a fashion show around here. It's not. Clearly, it's not. I mean, we, we're just trying to come here to meet God. You know, this place feels like a theater because people, by and large, that don't know God and didn't grow up in church are the most, have, have the greatest connection to their emotions in a movie theater. So we want people to feel comfortable here to connect to God. That may not be your thing, but that's why we do church the way we do. And guess what? It's working. God's using it. And so if this is something you're into, keep coming. Keep coming. We love that. But what does this mean? What does this mean for you and me? Number two, it means get the soil right. Get the soil right so you can grow something significant. Guys, where you are planted matters. Not only the church you're in, it also matters the community you're in. It also matters who you're hanging out with. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. Who you hang out with is a big deal. And this does not just apply to high schoolers with peer pressure. This applies to 35-year-olds with peer pressure. This, this applies to 45, 55-year-olds. You show me who you run with matters because the speed of the pack determines the speed you go at. And so if you're running with people that are doing something in their lives, guess what? It'll rub off on you. If you want to improve your marriage, the best way to improve your marriage is get around other couples that are trying to honor God and love one another too. This is why I encourage people that are struggling with their marriage, get into a small group. That's a great way to immediately improve your marriage. Just being around healthy couples will make you healthy. It's true. Because most of Christianity is not taught, it's caught. Being around other like-minded singles. Singles, if you're trying to get around the, the singles are trying to honor God, then you, you really should be making your friendships here at church and not in the club or the bar. That's not the place to go. This is the place to go. In fact, the largest singles gathering on any weekend in South Texas is at Church Unlimited. I don't know if you know that. There are more singles here than any club or bar. And they're all trying to do the right thing. This is the place to go. This is why we slow down the music sometimes because when we're clapping, it's kind of hard to see if there's a ring. You can't tell. <laughs> we try to slow it down. Just trying to help you out. Just trying to. I get it. I understand. You're like, I want to get close to God and someone else. I understand. So, anyways, all right. Ring by spring your money back. That's how we do here at Church Unlimited. So, 
But I want to encourage you to get the right soul. Be in the right environment. When you're around the right people, it makes a huge difference. This is why I encourage students to go to our student ministries. We've got, we got them all over South Texas. I want to encourage you to go to those because it's a great way to plug in. The students don't tell me the whole, I tried it, I didn't know anybody. First of all, try it again and bring a friend with you. That's the way you'll know someone. Just bring your friend with you, and that way you don't feel uncomfortable. No one likes to walk into a room and don't know anybody at first. And so, but how do you think you're going to meet people? You got to go. And so take a friend with you and go back to students. Try it again. It is awesome. They're doing a great job. Don't miss students. It's, it's really powerful. Why? It's the right environment. You're around the right people doing the right thing, and that's what's going to cause you to do the right things. And so when people tell me, I'm telling you, it's a difference maker. You got to go. And people tell me, man, all, when I hear some student comes up to me and says, all my friends are doing drugs, I just smile and say, when are you going to try? Because it's only a matter of time. Because if all your friends are doing it, you'll do it too. Whatever they're doing, if all your friends are skydiving, you're going to skydive. That's a group I will never, ever join because I do not <laughs> want to skydive. The point is, is that who you hang around with, you will become like them. So just think about that, who you are hanging out with. It's a big deal. By the way, I want to stop this message real quick and just remind you to be here each week. Next week, by the way, we're talking about the next uh, section of Scripture in Genesis 1 actually explains to you how to dominate whatever it is that you do. So next week's message is called How to Be a Boss. How, wouldn't you like to be a boss? Wouldn't you like to be the boss in your environment? Maybe you want the corner office. You want to be the boss in your family. You want to be the boss in your, in your home. You want to be the boss at work or in your ministry, whatever it is you think, man, I want, I want to lead. I want to lead the way. I want people to look up to me, and I want to be the boss. If that's what you want, be sure to be here next week. You may say, well, I don't really care about being the boss. Well, you can live like a boss. And so God shows us how in Scripture. And so don't miss next week. I'm super excited about next week's message, especially those of you who feel like, man, I can't get ahead. I am like the low man on the totem pole at work. I mean, I'm a nobody. I'm a scrub. We know what? We all start off there. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's not, it's not where you start that matters. It's where you finish. So be sure to be here next week as we talk about how you can actually become the boss or massively increase your influence very quickly. It's very obvious in Scripture. God lays it out. So be sure to be here for that. Well, I promised you last week that I would deliver on something that if you would apply this one principle, it would guarantee success. And I want to now deliver that to you. And so I like to keep my word. I told you I was going to deliver that. This is right here in Scripture in Genesis 1, verse 11. God shows us how he made the world big quickly. And how he did it was not by what he did, but it's by the principle he put into play. He put a certain principle into the world, into the way the world is created, that still works to this day. If you want to create a very nice, lush, juicy world like God did, this is what you have to do. Check it out. Genesis 1, verse 11. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant. Would you underline seed-bearing? Seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kind of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. So how did God make the world so beautiful and lush with all the greenery around it? It's real simple. He seeded it. He put the seed into the soil, and when he did that, that created vegetation. All seed-bearing plants create a fruit. They create some kind of produce, right? And so from that produce, we can eat off of it. We can create all kinds of things from it. Most of our medicines come from this. I mean, it's amazing the world that God put into motion when he created seed. And by the way, 
the, the one non-seed-bearing plant that grows without needing a harvest time, without needing a season, is a weed. In, in other words, like if you don't seed your life right, it'll just grow with weeds. I don't know about you, but I don't want weeds. I want to get rid of the weeds. I want to grow some big old honking, nice, juicy plants, right? We want to harvest in our life. So how do you create a harvest? By the way, let me give you another verse here. Joel 2.25 says, and I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. What does it mean the locusts have eaten? The locusts, this is, farmers know what I'm talking about. You want to stay away from these locusts, get them clear of your crops because they will ruin your whole harvest. These little small locusts come along and just ruin everything. Be really careful about the small things that come into your life that will ruin you. Be real, small habits, small relationships, small connections, small little things that you do that can destroy you, right? And so you got to be careful. But also this teaches us, God says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I will restore the years you've lost. Many people, I just want to just stop for a moment and just park on this for a second. Many people feel like they're behind. Many of you maybe feel like, I, just, I should be further along. I just feel like at my age, at my stage, I should have accomplished more by now. This is why there's such a thing as midlife crisis, right? And nowadays, they, they even have what's called quarter-life crisis. You're 25 years old, and you're like, man, I, I, I thought I'd be happy. I thought I'd be doing this in my life. I thought I'd be married already, or I thought I'd have a career going already. None of that's happening, right? Or maybe you're 30, you're 40, and you're thinking, I should have more money in my 401k by now. I should, I should have a 401k. I should have a, a career, and I just feel like I just have a job. I, I, just, I, I should already be this far along in my family and, or, or whatever it is that you want in life. Many people feel like they're far behind. God wants you to know today through Joel chapter 2, verse 25, that he can make up for the years you feel like you're behind. Isn't it good to know that? So how does he make up for those years? Through seed. That's how he does it. It's the principle of, of laying seeds. So number three is plant your seeds if you want to harvest. If you want to harvest, plant your seeds. So I want a big harvest, plant more seed. This is not complicated. The more seeds you plant, the larger the harvest. Sounds kind of simple, but it's really true. You, you show me how much seed you plant, I'll show you the kind of harvest you're going to get. And this works in every area of your life. Doesn't matter what it is. I tell church planters, they go, I really want to grow a big church. I'm like, have a big core group. Why? Because whatever your core group is, three times your core group is what your church is going to look like within six months. They're like, really? I'm like, yep. So we used to have core groups of 10, 20, 30 people, and about a year later, we'd have a church of 200 people. And we decided to increase the seed, put more into it, and we planted Rodfield, and we seeded it with hundreds of people, and boom, popped up a church of 1,000 people. Why? Put more seed into it, more people, right? And so you tell me what you want, you just need to put more seed in the ground, whatever that is, doesn't matter. And, and, and so if you apply this simple principle, it will grow a big life. But let me ask you something. You wouldn't be one of these people that would expect to harvest in your life without ever putting any seed in the ground, would you? It's a lot of people that think that they're going to get this great harvest having planted no seeds. I don't know why my grades aren't good. Do you go to class? No. Do you ever study? No. Why are my grades not good? Because you didn't seed it. You haven't put anything in, so you're not going to get something out. Why is my marriage not good? Well, if you just go home and turn on TV and watch TV all night and then go to bed and you expect your marriage to be awesome, how do you think it's going to work? I don't know what my kids are the way they are. Will the Disney Channel raise them or did you raise them? Because that's a big determination about how the kids turn out, right? So you've got to think about this kind of stuff, right? And none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. I'm not trying to pick on you here. I'm just trying to explain to you that whatever area you want to grow more in, you got to seed it. 
Got to put more seed in the ground. So here, here are three kinds of seed that we see in the Bible. There's probably more, but here's the three that became very obvious to me as I studied this. The first kind of seed is spiritual seed. So if you're taking notes, the first kind of seed is spiritual seed. So plant your seeds to have a harvest. So if you can keep it up with me, number one is to create space to grow. Number two is to get the soil right, who you're around. Three is plant your seeds. And the first kind of seed is spiritual seed. Isaiah 119 says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. What does eat of the good of the land mean? It means you got a big harvest. It means you can have, why can you eat good? Because you got food to eat because you got a good harvest, right? So if you're willing and obedient, what does God want from you and me? Does he want us to be super spiritual and have it all together and have no sin? No, he already knows we blew that. That's why he sent Jesus. I just want you to be willing and obedient. Just be willing to follow me and obey me when I speak to you is what God's telling us. If you'll do those two things, then God will help you eat the good land. He will bless you with a, with a big harvest. Can I just say right now, what this tells me is that we need to quit trying to be happy. The more you try to be happy, the unhappier you will get because you're trying to satisfy yourself. The Bible actually teaches the total opposite of this. It says give your life away and you'll gain your life. But if you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. It's so opposite of what we think. Shouldn't I be trying to buy all the stuff I can buy and have all the experiences I can have and you know, have this person in my life and I should do all these things so I can be happy? And then you won't be happy. You keep trying to fill stuff in your life and it doesn't make you happy, but instead of you begin to give your life away, then you actually become happy. It's the total opposite of what we think. And so actually, I believe that the first seed that needs to go in the ground is you and me. We give our lives to God. You say, God, I just surrender all I am to you. I die to myself. A seed goes into the ground and the seed actually dies and it breaks open. And in the seed's death is how we get new life. That sounds biblical, doesn't it? I feel like, I, I feel like God may have sent someone here to die so that in his death there could be new life. Anybody think of someone like that? That's what Jesus did for us. In fact, Jesus actually is the seed. Did you know that? And so what, what is seed bearing? Let me tell you what that is. What seed bearing is this? It's when you give us something you have in your hand to get something you don't have. You have to give some something you do have to get something you don't have. So if I want to get a college degree, I give of my time, I do have that, to get a degree and knowledge, I don't have that, right? right? So, so you just apply this to any area of your life. Whatever it is you want, you got to give something you do have to get something you don't have. God wanted you to be his harvest, so he gave his one and only son so that he could what? So he could save us and then he could, God could receive a, the family of God. So he gave his son for you and me to receive us. And so whatever you want, it's all about seed bearing, whatever it is that you are wanting. So the first is spiritual seed. The second seed here is financial seed. Financial seed. Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord, on my, uh, the Lord of heaven's army, excuse me, I will open the, the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vines before they arrive, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God says, if you will bring the seed to the storehouse, it actually calls the temple the storehouse, the church is the storehouse. Storehouse is where you store grain. That's seed. So it says, first of all, bring the first tenth of what you have to God's house, to his storehouse, and then God says, I will bless the other 90% if you'll do that. I would rather live on a blessed 90% than a cursed 100%. So God says, bring to me what is mine, the seed, and if you'll do that, then I will bless everything else. So the, the second seed is the financial seed. By the way, let me just stop real quick on, on this. 
I have found that, that people's struggle with tithing is not about greed. I really don't believe most people are greedy. I, I don't think that's the case. I think most people struggle with tithing not because of greed, but because of fear. I think we're just literally afraid, thinking, how can I do that? If I really gave 10% of my income to God, I don't know how I could pay all the bills. Most of us cut it so close financially, we're thinking, I don't know if I could make it to do that. And how do I know that God's going to bless me in return? Well, I'm glad you asked how you know it's because he said that. Because he says in his word that he will bless you in turn. And God's not a liar. I don't believe God's a liar. So when he says he's going to bless you, he really will do it. And I totally get the fear thing. I really do. And so, but I will tell you the reason that freaks some people out is because they've never done it. But once you do it, it's no longer a freak out. Because you realize it really does work. It's kind of like a roller coaster. When you're a kid, you're scared to death until you got on it. And you're like, let's go again. Right? They're like, that was cool. Wow, that really, that was awesome. There's a reason people get in line for those things. It's not to be scared. It's because it's fun tithing goes from being fearful to being fun whenever you give and you see God bless you in turn. You're like, that was cool. That actually works. It really does. There's a true story of a, of a missionary that this guy was a missionary in Mexico. He goes to a, a, a college called Christ for the Nations uh, to speak. It's a Bible school up, up in Dallas. And he went to speak and he was just doing his talk. It was like a chapel. All the students were there. And this girl was sitting in the audience, and this guy gets up and he starts talking about tithing and giving and, and, and just living a, a generous lifestyle in every area. And as he talks about this, he says, just give from what you have. You may not have a lot right now because you're a student. We get that. But just give from what you have for God to give you what you don't have but you need, right? This girl's listening to this, and she's really frustrated. She's thinking, I'm broke. I'm putting myself through Bible college. I have no money to my name. I'm barely making it. And this guy's talking about giving. He's talking to us, broke students, about giving, Right? And, and he was even struggling sharing it, thinking, Lord, why would you have me go share on giving to people who have no money? But the Lord reminded him, that's why, because I want to get something to them. So this girl hears this message. She's like, Lord, this is so frustrating. She goes back to her room, to her little dorm room. And uh, before she had to go to work, she took a few minutes to get out her Bible and her journal and just began to write, really in frustration, just writing God that's so frustrating because this guy's talking about giving and I don't have anything to give. I literally have nothing. And the Lord really convicted her and said, what do you have now to give me? She's like, she grabs her purse. She begins to dig around her purse. She literally had a quarter in her purse. This is a number of years ago. She had a quarter in her purse. She pulls it out. She's like, Lord, I have a quarter. And God says, would you give me that? Sure, Lord. What else can I lose? I'll give you my quarter. I mean, I'm in ministry. I'm going to school and I'm broke. Sure, God, I'll give you my quarter. Right about the time her, her, her roommate walks in and says, hey, do you have a quarter? I'm, I need to go buy a stamp. This is when stamps are about a quarter. She's like, are you kidding me? And she's like, the Lord put it on her heart. She's like, the Lord says to her in her spirit, I told you, if you'll give what you do have, I'll bless you. She's like, you know what? I do have a quarter. She hands the only thing she had in her purse. She says, here you go. So her roommate went and bought a stamp because she was mailing a letter to her parents. She then packs up her stuff and she's got to go to work. She's running late. She, she hops in a car, drives to work. She works for a lady that's agnostic, not a believer in God. In fact, this lady made fun of her about being a believer and thought it was ridiculous she was even taking her time, wasting her life on going to Bible college. The lady literally made fun of her. Very cruel, pretty mean lady to her. She walks into work. She's already upset thinking, oh gosh, I'm barely on time. You know, this lady's going to be all over me. She walks in and she sees her boss walking back and forth and she's a little frantic and she walks up and she's like, is, is everything okay? And she goes, yes, we're, I've been waiting on you. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Am I, am I late? She goes, no, you're not late. I just, I can't explain this, 
She goes, what, what, did I do something wrong? She goes, no, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just there's something weird. I don't understand, but I feel like I'm supposed to give you $50. I don't know why. <laughs> right then, God just spoke to her and just showed her, I told you if you will release what's in your hand, no matter how small, I will release more back to you. That's how God works. He really does. He really does. Financial seed. The next seed is investment seed. Investment seed. It says, so, it says in Psalms 107, they sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. Now, let me take you back to Malachi chapter 3. He says, if you'll tithe, I will bless your what after that? Your crops. Did you notice that? Crops just means their investments. So God says, if you'll give me the first 10%, I will bless whatever you do with the next 90%. Here's the problem. A lot of you are like, well, I've been tithing, and I don't see God blessing my investments. Hold on. We just built an assumption into that statement. So you have investments? Or could it be that you've tithed and you said, now, Lord, please bless. And God says, I promise I'll bless whatever you do next. But you haven't done anything next. What else are you doing? How are you living by faith with what else you have? So I actually want to challenge you to, to give the first 10% to God, but then take at least the next 10% and do something with it. In fact, I recommend pay God first. Pay yourself second, then pay your bills. Some of you right now are kind of freaking out like, uh, what? Okay, first of all, I was trying to live on 90%. Now you're saying live on 80%? If you will learn to do this, you're giving God something to bless. Now there's something for him to actually bless in your life. And so if you don't put seed into your future, how are you expecting to have a harvest? How can God bless a mutual fund you never opened? How can God bless a savings account you never opened? How can God bless the rental house you never bought? How can God bless the book you never wrote? How can God bless the relationship you never started? How can God bless something unless you do something afterwards? So God wants us to apply the seed-bearing principle. If we begin to sow the seed, we will see the results. Guys, what I'm really trying to say is that there are no victories at discount prices. Let me say that again. There are no victories at discount prices. If you don't put enough seed into it, don't expect to get much out of it. Whatever it is you want in life probably is expensive. A good marriage, expensive. Not just financially, time-wise, investment, but it's worth it. Does it make sense? A good family, it's expensive. It's going to cost you your time, your emotion, your energy. And frankly, it's not easy to be a parent. you got to pour yourself in when you don't feel like it. But you got to choose to do it. A good career, it's expensive. It takes a lot of your time, your energy, your work. you got to pour yourself in. Whatever it is that you want to do, it doesn't come at discount prices. The truth is, is that there are no cheap Ferraris. They don't exist. Are you trying to give minimal seed to get maximum output? Doesn't work like that. You got to put lots of seed into it if you want to have a bumper crop. You tell me whatever it is that you want in life and however big you want your life, and I'll tell you how much seed you got to get in the ground to get it. There's a direct correlation between how much you seed something and the results that you get from it. What does this mean? Number four, do not ignore the principle of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Whatever you put in the ground is going to come up. If you sow bad things in your life, you'll reap a harvest of it. 
You sow bad habits, you're going to reap bad things. You sow good habits, you'll reap good things. Whatever you put in the ground, it's going to come right back at you. And so whatever it is that you want in your life, how do you grow a big life? You follow the principle of investment, which is that what you put in is what you get out. There's a reason why best, there's best-selling books like No Money Down Real Estate. Why? Because that sounds cool. I don't have to put anything into it, and I just get a lot of money from it. That's very rare, very risky. I don't recommend that. I actually recommend you just save something and put something down. Because bankers don't want to invest in someone who doesn't have their own skin in the game. God's like that too. He's like, what are you putting in the ground for me to be able to bless it? You got to put yourself into it. And when you put yourself into it, then you'll get the result you want out of it. I want to have a close walk with God. I don't feel close to God. I remember one time I prayed, God, I feel like I'm distanced from you. I feel like, I feel like we're not close anymore. And I felt the Lord tell me, who do you think moved? Like, All right, Lord, I'm sorry. You're right. I have not been investing in my relationship with you. When I began to do that, I felt close to God again. You got to put it in. Whatever it is that you want, don't expect to get a great life until you put in the seed. Put in the investment. Put in the time. You say, is this guaranteed? Guaranteed. It's a principle of God's word. If you sow it, you'll reap it. Guaranteed. Now, people reap at different levels. So it's true. One guy invests money in real estate, does better than others. One guy invests in his marriage, and marriage seems to be flourishing more than others. But if you'll invest in your marriage, you will reap a benefit from that. You will reap a harvest. If you invest in your kids, you'll reap a harvest. If you invest in your money in something, you'll reap a harvest. It's different levels of harvest. But you will reap a harvest. Does that make sense? It's a guaranteed thing. What is it that you've been asking God to bless that you've been holding back the seed on? Could it be that we need to learn to let go of what's in our hand? If we'll let go of what's in our hand and put it to work, God will let go of what's in his hand and put it to work for our benefit. It's all about seed. Would you take a moment and bow your heads across all of our churches right now? Maybe today your prayer is to realize that you are the seed. And you say, God, I have not given you my life. I have not fully surrendered my life into your hands. But I realize I've got to die to myself so you can renew me, so you can make me new. That's what it means to be born again, to be reborn. Not a physical rebirth, but a spiritual one. Is to say, God, I give you my life. If you've never done this, you can simply pray a prayer that we're going to pray together across all of our churches right now, and you can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. See, God sent his seed, his son. He sent him to this world. He died on the cross, and he was literally buried in the ground. He dies, he's buried, and through that death, he is resurrected. It's when we give our lives and lay them down that God says, I will now give you a new life in Christ. With your head bowed, your eyes closed, would you receive the seed of God in your life to renew you? You will literally become God's harvest if you'll receive what he did for you when he sent Jesus to die for you. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Christ. You can pray this very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. You paid the price for my sin, and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. 
I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.